This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I will say I did a deep dive through the BA archives. Did you? Oh, yes. You know when you're binging a Netflix show and the like Netflix starts saying, oh, uh, are you sure you want to keep watching <laughs> after a while? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think the, the BA website did that to me. Surely you left. <laughs> you can't possibly be still sitting there like a blob. Welcome back, listeners, future callers, and cooking enthusiasts. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner, or whatever you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and if I sound a little different today, it's because I've been a little under the weather, but I'm still here with you. You may have heard this from me on the podcast before, but sometimes I find getting dinner on the table to be kind of a hassle. It's inevitably 6 p.m. Everyone in my family is hungry and wanting something different to eat. And it's on me to get everyone fed ASAP. It's easy to forget that a family meal can sometimes be a beautiful respite from all of life's chaos. And that's what today's caller, Lauren, is seeking. Our family's Jewish, and for us, being able to have Shabbat dinner and invite people over for Shabbat dinner, that's sort of part of, I think, where the impulse comes from. It's something that's important to me and to us as a value. And we get invited to other people's house for Shabbat dinner, and I want to be able to reciprocate. For those who aren't familiar, Shabbat, or the Sabbath, is a weekly day of rest in the Jewish tradition. For the most observant Jewish people, it's taken as a full day away from screens, working, creating, cooking. Honestly, sometimes it sounds like a dream. And even as a less religious tradition, Shabbat dinner on a Friday night can be a way to ease out of the work week and into the weekend. But for Lauren, trying to host a dinner on a Friday night with a busy job, two kids, and another one on the way, Even the idea of trying to figure out what to make feels like too big of a hurdle. And so I either just don't invite anyone over at all because it's like, oh my gosh, if I invite someone over, I have to figure out what to cook and like, what the heck is that going to be? Or I'll invite people over and we'll just order in, which is still fun, but not the same kind of bonding experience. So my emergency that I'm hoping you can help me solve is that I'm in search of a go-to company-worthy meal. And also it needs to be able to satisfy adults and kids. Yeah. And just to make things complicated. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. Oh, here's the <laughs> twist. So we do have some dietary restrictions in my family and things that are like pretty common among the guests that we would be likely to have over. My husband doesn't eat wheat and no dairy. And then my family in general, we don't eat mammals. And since I'm hoping that this is going to be sort of a meal or menu that I can make over and over again with whoever I'm inviting over, Mm. it would be great if it's something that could be 
adapted to be vegetarian or address different dietary restrictions if needed. If that's a bridge too far, then, Mm. you know, whatever, I'll take what I can get. But that's, you know, on like the full magical wish list that would be there. You know, I'm always looking for ways that I can find things that are repeatable where I can take the mental energy out of it just for the sake of efficiency, like, you know, having sort of like a work uniform to get myself dressed in the morning or like every family member is only allowed to have one kind of sock. (laughs) The amount of heartache we go through around socks, all I can say is a lot of heartache. And that's just about socks. Choose your battles. Yeah. Choose your battles. But if you're used to that tradition of, of sitting down and literally breaking bread with people over a meal, then you really start to appreciate how that slowness, the appreciation of your week, that time together with multi-generations sitting at a table and and building that family connection, there's really nothing that compares to that. It's something that's so simple. People have been doing it for thousands of years. And yet in our crazy modern lives, it somehow feels so hard to pull off. And that's what I'm looking for help is I want that experience to be easier to pull off so that we can do more of it because it's one of the easiest ways I find to kind of deepen a relationship with new people, make new friends, and just have a meaningful conversation that's going to add something to your week. Yeah. I so appreciate that you referenced like a really specific tradition and how important that tradition is to you. And, you know, I feel like what you're describing, a Shabbat, like a Friday night meal, like that was like my Sunday dinners, you know, but all of my Jewish friends, like, of course, that was like their experience, you know, that kind of slowing down, appreciating the fact of being together. And I think that's a really like kind of key reference for me to just keep in mind as as we think through like, what is the ultimate goal here? Because it's that spirit of like togetherness. And like, yes, you want to feed people, but like the primary goal is community, right? Right. That's exactly it. The food is just facilitating the togetherness. And so I'm not trying to win any awards. I'm not trying to show off what a foodie I am. (laughs) But like, I would like to be able to give people something that's maybe more than, you know, like my kind of go-to right now would just be like, okay, I'm going to roast some chicken legs and maybe make some rice pilaf or mashed potatoes and broccoli, Mm -hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that. But I would like to have something that's maybe a little bit more special if guests come over than just that. Yeah. Okay, this is super helpful. And I mean, would you say like your kids are adventurous eaters? Well, if they're listening, then I would say, yes, you are very adventurous eaters (laughs) and you should keep it up. But uh, really, I would say they're kind of middle of the road. They like a lot of different world cuisines, so they're willing to eat a lot of different things, but also nothing that's too spicy. No one's setting any records. Yeah. Um, for being adventuresome, but also they're not like a, I'll only eat white foods. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Fair. There's a lot of different ways this can go, but I, I hear you. And this is something that I feel in my own life, you know, just like figuring out how to make space to be with other people. I certainly could be better with that myself. I appreciate you reaching out and letting us help you. Well, thank you. I I really appreciate that. I'm really excited because I feel like it's something that has the potential to really enhance our quality of life, Mm -hmm. not just the quality of what's on our table. I grew up in like a reformed Jewish household and kind of similarly in my family, we wanted to like set out intentional time to kind of check in with one another and hold space for each other, but not necessarily have to do the whole like breathe meat and like homemade challah type ordeal. My co-host this week is the one and only Nina Moskowitz. 
Nina is an editorial assistant at Bon Appetit, and she hosts Shabbat regularly. When I spoke with Nina, she told me that as an adult, her Shabbat practice has become even more low-key. Now I have been trying to set aside time like every other Friday, not necessarily holding myself to it every week, but just making dinner with my roommates and calling it Shabbat, not Mm. necessarily like making challah. But we do like we like candles and we drink wine. How do you do it on a weeknight though? Like have you shopped earlier in the week? Is this part Mm -hmm. of like your meal planning for the week? Yeah. So I tend to do like my big grocery shop once a week on like Mondays and usually me and my roommates will be like, oh, do we want to do Shabbat this week? And if we do, is there a meal in mind that we all want to kind of partake in? Um, And we'll just try to do really simple, easy recipes. So we've made like a braised, like white bean kale stew. We've done like a huge like hash brown maca and loaded it with like labna and lox and like all these toppings. Um, Whoa. Okay. I'm listening. Yeah. (laughs) We just try to do like one pot easy meals that we can all kind of share in. So yeah, I definitely keep that in mind on on my Monday weekly shop and I kind of just treat it as any other meal and like for Shabbat I'll just be like oh one of my roommates can you grab like these few ingredients and I'll grab these few ingredients and just go about it as a team and and you're literally cooking as a team as well yeah I mean I I like to cook the most and I definitely am the boss one in the kitchen so all assigned tasks but they like being assigned a task and it feels nice it just feels like you know intentional time set aside to just like be with one another cooking and and relaxing and talking it doesn't feel like a stressful thing for us that sounds lovely so nina and i got to brainstorming some recipes for lauren's shabbat dinner after the break we'll get lauren back on the line and see what she thinks Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Hi, I'm great. So, Lauren, I ended up putting a call out to the whole staff of BA and Epicurious to basically find out who on staff is sort of holding space for doing Shabbat dinners. I thought, like, you had such a kind of overlapping set of imperatives for what you were trying to achieve from the standpoint of large format meal that could suit people of all ages, that was dairy-free, gluten-free, maybe vegetarian, question mark, or the ability to turn it vegetarian. (laughs) This is where it was sort of like where my brain started leaking out of my left ear, you know? Uh-huh. And yes. um, but without getting into the specifics and like freaking anybody, any potential co-hosts out, I wanted to find out who on staff has this practice in their own life, you know. And Nina, you were one such person. Yeah. So I am so excited to be talking Shabbat. And in this case, my roommates are vegetarian as well, and a lot of my friends are gluten free and dairy free. So I can empathize, and I'm here for you, and <laughs> I, I have a great <laughs> recipe in mind. So I'm excited to get started. 
Okay. Yay. Well, I'm so glad to hear that that I'm not alone in this quandary. And Lauren, you haven't had some like quiet breakthrough since we last spoke, right? Like you didn't like crack the code and we're just sort of shipping coals to Newcastle here, right? Sadly, no. No breakthroughs in the Shabbat dinner department. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, Nina, it seems like you have something in mind. You have about two pages of single space notes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I'm literally like sitting here with like a blank screen on a computer and a dream. But that's cool. Um, do you wanna do you wanna take the first shot at this? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the recipe that I have chosen is actually a Chris Morocco oh, fan favorite. It's a miso mushroom risotto recipe. Um, And I think that this recipe is incredible because it is extremely nourishing. I think a lot of people are really intimidated by the idea of risotto. But it's really using minimal ingredients, most of which you already have stocked in your pantry. You might have a thing of arborio rice, a tub of miso in the fridge, and then all you have to do is buy that fresh produce. And you know, Lauren, I know you have kids that can help out with that stirring as well. (laughs) Um, So this can be like a family affair. Am I a terrible parent for literally hating cooking with my kids? <laughs> I don't think like, Lauren, so. Lauren, seriously, kids in the kitchen, yes or no? You know, I mainly... That was a heavy breath. <laughs> that was a sharp, heavy intake. When I have my kids cooking with me, it's mainly for purposes of getting them invested in the meal okay. to mm. encourage them to actually oh, be willing to so try right. something new. Yeah. So... It's not like if I'm just cooking to get food on the table, they are not helpful. But if it's like, I really want you to maybe be willing to try this. And if you cook it with me, then that maybe incrementally increases my chances. Um, it's so true. So that's, it's that's so it. true. I know. You know, I like that recipe. And I think part of it is, you know, it's like a cheese-free risotto mm. that still has a lot of umami and a lot of depth because it's looking to Japan specifically as a way of like building really tangible depth of flavor. Mm-hmm. The mushrooms get really woodsy and earthy and that kind of pairs well with that like deeply umami miso. And even I made it for my boyfriend who who hates mushrooms famously. Mm. And he actually thought that the mushroom and miso kind of worked in harmony together. And also I would recommend if, if someone doesn't like mushrooms in the household, you can easily swap that out with another vegetable. You can do like a roasted butternut squash. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, squash puree mm-hmm. in there. Ooh. Delicious. Mm. Nina. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds great. And I, I haven't really cooked much with miso. I actually bought some recently and haven't used it yet. So mm. that's an exciting possibility. Yeah, I think this is a great introduction to it. It's rather easy. Um, I will say the one thing that this recipe does call for in the end is butter, but you can easily swap that with a vegan butter. And I did that last Friday for Shabbat to test it out, and it was great and creamy. Do you have a favorite vegan uh, butter that you used for it? We explored this in that... Um, an episode with Chrissy Tracy, like Chrissy preferred, and I've certainly seen it perform in the past, like the country crock. I think it's the avocado oil based one is really good. Not sponsored. It's just a really great product. When you're looking for that like lusciousness in the finish, some, it's something that olive oil alone doesn't quite do because olive oil's adding that sort of sharpness and that grassiness, um, that peppery bite. Whereas butter, and in this case, like a plant-based butter, is bringing creaminess. Really recommend that one. Oh, great. But <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, why am I endorsing a recipe that's not my choice? 
Why am I adding fuel to the fire here? Yeah, you want to make it, and it's a winner. So here's the thing, Lauren. When I was thinking about all the different kind of requirements that you're looking at meeting, you know, with these dinners, one thing that I was just thinking about. I know, like, kids, depending on what they've grown up with and been exposed to, different kids all around the world, you know, will eat different things just fine, right, depending on their context. But I don't know. You you had mentioned, you know, nothing, like, too crazy adventurous given, like, you know, what your kids have been exposed to and probably nothing spicy. But I was just looking in a very different direction in terms of a set of influences here. One dish that I was thinking about was Yasmin Khan's chana masala. This is like a braised, saucy, really lovely, luscious, spiced chickpea dish. It's adapted from her cookbook, Ripe Figs. And I cooked this one, you know, maybe it was a couple of years ago when we were testing it. And it's just a completely different approach to like layering flavors together. And whether this is the moment to kind of introduce your kids to warm spices and more overt spice notes in savory cooking, like it's really a kind of a wonderful path to explore because a lot of it is just inherently dairy-free, you know, or certainly can be. It's like a little bit more oil-based as opposed to butter-based, but it's like this layering of flavors from double concentrated tomato paste, a little bit of fresh tomato, but that could be, you know, omitted and just bumped up the paste depending on the time of year. Garam masala, turmeric, ginger, garlic, cumin, coriander, onion. And you can use canned chickpeas. And one of the things I loved about this recipe was it really makes the point that, you know, the texture that the chickpeas are coming out of the can with, it can really truly improve by you continuing to simmer them like in broth, a different mixture. It softens them further. It really makes them meld well with other flavors. And, you know, is it nice to finish with a scoop of yogurt? Sure. But you could, you know, you could use a dairy-free yogurt and there's plenty of good ones out there. That was one thought. And the other, and again, this is like thinking about similar sort of flavors. This is Andy Baragani's Spiced Doll with fluffy rice and salted yogurt. Again, you could use like a coconut yogurt for this and using something that's like inherently vegetarian, red split lentils or masoor dal. Like this is just, it's such a wonderful way to cook because it's fast, but wow, is it full on flavor. And I can't recommend it enough. I mean, you know, dal is something that I make regularly just on a weeknight, sometimes in sort of conjunction with chicken curry or sometimes I make like chicken tikka. But it's something that's great on its own right. Like, especially given that you can dress it up according to your preferences with a little bit of pickled onion, and it's just so nice. Anyway, those are my two. Just like kind of spinning you off in like a different direction flavor-wise. All of the recipes sound really intriguing, and I have a feeling that I'm going to try all of them at some point. Fair. Really fair. Well, listen, you know, whatever you choose, best of luck, and I hope it goes well. Like, introducing new foods to my, my own family can be a challenge at best, you know? (laughs) Sometimes just laboring to produce something just with a click or two more intention or with more forethought behind it. It's like, of course, those are the moments that your kids decide to just, you know, 
dig in their heels and refuse to eat anything at all. But I hope that they at least like give it a shot. I hope so too. I long ago let go of any ego with respect to my children eating or not eating things mm. that I cook. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't take it personally one way or another. If they, wh- whatever their reaction is, we'll just, we'll make sure they take their no thank you bite. And hopefully that won't be the only bite. <laughs> their no thank you bite. Oh my gosh. Would you have gotten yes. away with that as a kid? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> While I pondered whether my kids would be receptive to that no-thank-you-bite trick, we sent Lauren our recipe suggestions, the miso mushroom risotto, chana masala, and spice doll. After the break, we'll hear how Lauren's Shabbat dinner went and whether her kids were on board. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckle Foodie and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I am right there with you. That's what Freckled Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five launching with Dear Media on November 9th and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. Welcome back to Dinner SOS. And I bet you're wondering where Lauren landed between the vegetarian, wheat-free, and nearly dairy-free options she had on the table, courtesy of Nina and yours truly. And we've been wondering the same thing. Drum roll, please. I will reveal to you what I went with. And I have to say that I also had some of those same kinds of thoughts of like, how am I going to sell this and what's going to happen? But like I had in the back of my mind, worst case scenario, we just make some grilled cheese for the kids and it's all going to be okay. <laughs> so I talked to my kids about the recipes we went kind of around and around. Ultimately, I overrode their instinctive impression of which one would be the best and went with my gut, which was the miso mushroom risotto. Feel very good about that one. <laughs> good for you, Nina. That's a strong start, you know? Most people need to like co-host like three episodes before their <laughs> recipe gets chosen. You're like coming in real hot. Winning I love streak. it. Love that for you. So I heard that there is some audio of you discussing this choice with the kids. Michelle, do you want to play it for us? I think I'm leaning towards the last one. It sounds very good. Sounds like it's going to be very tasty and very edible. (laughs) That one, I like the second one. I kind of like the stewy idea for the second one. You know, I feel like I'm good at eating stew. Okay. We at Bon Appetit strive to create recipes for edible food, and we just really hold to that principle. Nina, before we continue with Lauren, can you go ahead and walk us through how to make the highly edible miso mushroom risotto? Sure. So first you make the miso broth, put a quarter cup of miso in a pot, and slowly whisk water into it. Bring it to a simmer, then season and reduce heat to low to keep it warm. Meanwhile, saute some onion and garlic. Then add your rice. After the grains are translucent, which takes a few minutes, add white wine, cooking until it's fully evaporated. Add your mushrooms and about a cup of broth and simmer for a few minutes until the liquid is absorbed and the mushrooms are softened. 
Keep the rice at a simmer and continue to add broth a little at a time, waiting until the liquid is fully absorbed before adding more. Once the rice is fully cooked and all the liquid is absorbed, stir some butter in there. Finish it by topping it with furikake seasoning and enjoy. So I'm curious, it was a question of flavors and sort of accessibility to your kids. What went into it, really? Yeah, well, so the flavor of the miso and the rice itself, that was all, everyone loved it. We had, it was four people from my family, four people from another family, four kids in total in the sort of nine to 12 age range. And everyone liked that. The mushrooms were a little bit more controversial. I would say that ranged from, well, you can't really tell that there are mushrooms there, so it's okay, to I only want to eat the bites that don't have mushrooms in them, which was fine with me. But I don't know, the mushrooms were really good. Nina, I'm curious for your take on this. You know, part of what I love about how the mushrooms go into this recipe, right? Like you can get very fancy and convoluted when it comes to melding some kind of mushroom situation with a risotto situation. But in this case, we are literally just slicing up cremini mushrooms and dumping them right into the risotto. Exactly. It's super easy. You could literally just tear them apart and throw them right in the pot. And I think that's part of the appeal of this like large format cooking for a group of people is it's easy. So I'm kind of curious how the actual process of cooking was for you, Lauren? Yeah. So first of all, it was sort of a funny scene because I'm nine months pregnant and I was like, ooh, this is a lot of standing here for me. Yeah. So I pulled up a bar stool <laughs> to the to do stove it. and I like literally sat there and was like ladling broth oh and stirring the risotto sitting down on a bar stool. Well, in terms of the mushrooms, the grocery store I went to did not have my talky mushrooms or cremini mushrooms. There were just sort of some, you know, plain brown mushrooms or baby bellas, but I actually wound up going with shiitakes, which were really delicious. Oh. They just looked really good okay. um, compared to the other mushrooms that were there. I don't know if it was what I was supposed to do, no, but no, no. it was the, delicious. There is no real supposed to. I mean, you know, a baby bella for what it's worth is a cremini, just so you oh. know for next time. All right. Well, now I know. No, you just never know. Like, oh, like this purveyor, you know, labels it this thing. But Ah. the shiitake has lovely flavor. It has like a slightly more textural bite to it, perhaps, than a slice of cremini mushroom. So like a little bit more like resilient, like it doesn't want to break apart on you, let's just say. Right. Yeah. With the shiitakes, I thought like they would be easier to pick out. (laughs) Yeah. Because they (laughs) sort of hold up like you can avoid them. (laughs) And the adults really enjoyed them. So one thing that was sort of surprising to me about the flavor profile is I was thinking that it would, because of the miso, taste really sort of Japanese flavored. And it really actually wasn't that much. Like I had twisted myself up over like what kind of Asian flavored sides are going to go well with this. And I wound up making some things that I really enjoyed, but I don't think I needed to. Like I could, anything would have gone with it. Yeah. I think the purpose of this recipe was really just to showcase that like, you know, often like with a risotto, you're tasting broth more than you're tasting anything else, right? And like miso is such a near instant win in terms of creating like a compelling broth yourself at home. I think for a lot of folks, it's like, listen, unless you're going to use something kind of homemade, then 
you know, miso creates this like really lovely nuanced broth. But yeah, the flavor doesn't necessarily skew, you know, towards any one cuisine necessarily. And it lends itself to a, a certain versatility in terms of what you'd pair with it. What did you end up serving with this? I actually relied heavily on the Epicurious app to yeah. was like searching around looking for things. And so I will tell you right now, I made the cucumber salad with red onion and dill by Allison Attenborough. And it I thought it would go really well because it was like you just sort of quick pickle the onions in rice vinegar with a little Dijon mustard and, and honey and then use that liquid for the dressing after the onions have sat for half an hour. And so that was really, really tasty. And then I made just a green salad and finished that with a miso vinaigrette recipe that I also found on the app. That was a really big hit. And of course, because it was a Shabbat dinner, had challah. Gotcha. I'm really curious, has this given you a different kind of sense of what you're capable of for these Shabbat dinners or just like for hosting in general and just like changing up your repertoire? In short, like where do we go from here? Yeah. So first of all, I was really glad that the recipe sort of required me to push outside of both my comfort zone in terms of what I've cooked before and also made me think a little bit more outside the box in terms of what works as a Shabbat dinner. What kind of threw me a little bit is that, I mean, you really do have to stand there and watch it the whole time and there's no multitasking. And so I didn't quite have all my timing down of how you get all the sides prepared. Uh But because I hadn't planned ahead in that way to get the sides all done ahead of time, the risotto then sort of had to sit for kind of a while while I was getting the salads and stuff together. And then I was able to sort of add a little bit of water and sort of reheat it and get it to not be gloopy at the end, but that was definitely something that I would do differently the next time that I make it. That's really fair. And that's a good note. And I, I, you know, for what it's worth, risotto, I mean, maybe it reaches like the apogee of risotto-dum, you know? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm looking at you for like some kind of like nod of affirmation, (laughs) you know? Um, If you, you know, add the broth and like perfect, you know, kind of incremental additions and stir very aggressively, like most of the time, if you need to add a little bit more broth, stir a little more, turn the heat down a little bit, walk away for a few minutes, you can. And it sounds like you really brought it with those sides and you really own the experience by just pulling up a stool and, you know, getting comfortable (laughs) and settling in for the long haul. So well done. (laughs) Thanks. Whatever it takes to get the job done. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Um, Well, listen, Lauren, this is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Thank you. It it was great. And when someone invites you to their home and cooks for you, it really does make you feel special. So I'm happy to be able to feel like I can reciprocate. Well, Lauren, thank you so much again for calling in. Best of luck, okay? Yeah, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much. And even though Lauren was worried that her kids wouldn't like these new flavors or would even be thrown by a less than traditional Shabbat meal, at the end of the day, well... Take it away, kids. I'm Water. saying, like, just Shabbatiness. Like, if that's really going to have to Shabbat. do with what you're eating, you got the challah, it's Shabbat. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. Now, I've asked you this before, and I'm going to do it again. 
We like reading your emails about needing tips or tweaks or your own versions of dietary restriction bingo. We really do. But for our upcoming episodes, we are looking for more calls about kitchen disasters. I want to know about the time your roasted broccoli almost set the house on fire or how your bread dough never rises. Give me the bad and the ugly. I can take it and I want to help. Seriously, call us. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode, miso mushroom risotto, chana masala, and spice doll with fluffy rice and salted yogurt on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Condé Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Nina Moskowitz. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Leah Kasher is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal mixed this episode. We're taking a break from publishing regular episodes in the feed for a few weeks, but keep an eye out for our April mailbag and some bonus episodes. Did we even talk about that statistic? Kids just need to try something 17 times before they can truly be in a position to decide <laughs> if they like it. And you're like, you mean I have to serve the same friggin' thing to my kids 16 times? And throw it out? <laughs> or like, you know, eat punch bowls full of doll, you know, for the rest of the week myself? From the creators of Who Smarted, Starglow Media comes a brand new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories. Uh, does that sound serious enough? Uh, Max, we only have 30 seconds for this promo. Just tell them how your mysterious aunt recruited us into a secret order of problem solvers who travel time and have epic adventures. I don't have to. You just did. Catch new episodes of Mysteries About True Histories every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. From PR.